Good morning, I'm Mike Tom with Colleen Hood. Welcome to another episode of Connections. Today, an important topic. Today we'll talk to the founder of a ministry that empowers the church to support adoptive and foster families. It might spark an idea in you to start a similar ministry in your own church. Or if you are an adoptive or a foster family, we'll provide you with some resources to help your family thrive. Jen Ranter-Hook is the founder of a ministry called Replanted. They offer churches some key ways to provide a sustainable ministry that provides crucial support to adoptive and foster families. Jen, culture's kind of been shifting and foster families, adoptive families, getting a little bit more of a spotlight in media. Uh, Apparently Sesame Street has added a character now. Do you know about this? Yes, I do. Yeah, I'm so excited to see it. So, uh, yeah, this new character, Marley, is uh, yeah. one of the cast of Sesame Street, and Marley is in foster care. What do you think about this, and why is it important? Oh, this is so big. I'm um, because there is a lot of there is stigma around foster care, and then there's just a lot of unknownness around foster care. And when I was a therapist in the foster care system, my kiddos had so many big feelings and they didn't know what to do with it. And they felt really opposing things sometimes. You know, I would have kids come into foster care and they wanted so desperately to go back home to their family. And then they also fell in love with their foster family and they would feel pulled in two different directions, you know, um, or I would have kids that weren't able to reunify with their parents and they were getting adopted, and their adoption day was the saddest day of their life and also a really happy day because they were, you know, going to be with a family that they love. Mm. And so there's so many big polarizing feelings, and it's confusing. You know, for kiddos in foster care, you have visits once a week with your parents. Um, it's There's a lot of waiting and maybe days, we like to call them, right, where we're waiting to see if parents are able to experience healing and have their kids return home to them safely. And so that can take a year. It can take two years. Uh, so there's so much limbo in the foster care journey. So I think for any child in foster care, for it to be, you know, shown, hey, we understand what you're going through, and we're going to also use this this character, Mar- Marley, to educate other families and families that don't know foster care as well. Sesame Street's added a character that is a child in foster care. Why are characters like that important for kids to see? Uh, Because a lot of my kids, like I I shared that example of the little boy who didn't want his parent, his foster parents to pick him up after school because he was afraid his peers would ask questions, right? So there there was this unknownness about foster care and what it is and how to explain it. For a child who's in foster care, and going through it all, you don't also want to have to tell your peers, right? Like, yeah. hey, this is what's happening, and it, it's so much, right? But if we can create a culture that's understanding about what foster care is and what's happening and what our kids have been through and all the big feelings that they might be experiencing, I think that's going to be really helpful. It also, I think, is going to be helpful, too, because sometimes when a family says yes to the foster journey and then a kiddo with trauma comes in, it can really impact the kids already in the home. And so, and, and that can be confusing for kids. Like, why is this, why is a child, like, why is my brother, my new brother acting this way? Or why are they doing this? You know, and that can be really baffling. And so to have a character that's really showing like, hey, they're, they're acting this way, not because they're, they're bad kids, but because they've had bad things happen to them and it's hard and, you know, it affects their brain and it affects their emotions. And so, and that healing process takes a while. And so I think it's going to be a really helpful, um, a really helpful helpful module for giving our kiddos permission for what they're feeling and that it's okay. 
Um, and I think that's something that's going to be really powerful. I love how you call the kids kiddos mm-hmm. because it just says to me how much you care about these kids, right? And yeah, there's just, I don't know. I feel a lot yeah. of love in that word kiddos instead of just yeah. talking about them as foster kids, right? Yeah, and I think ultimately, too, you touch on something, right? Like, I, I always tell my kids, like, hey, you're first and always a kiddo. You know, foster care is something you're experiencing, but you're mm. not, your identity is not as a foster child. Um, and sometimes that's what our kids experience and feel. And so I think it's really important that they always feel how precious and loved and sacred they are, no matter what they're going through, no matter what mess in their life they're experiencing and how they're showing it, that they're always precious and loved by us and loved by God. Do they believe that? Um, it takes a little bit. You know, yeah. I think when children have been hurt, there can be this ruptured love and attachment and abandonment that they feel. And so they're skeptical. You know, they go into survival mode and they, they learn to take care of themselves really quick. And so, uh, but when you're consistent and you're continuing to show up and sometimes those, those unconsciously test that, right? Are you going to give up on me too? Are you yeah. going to abandon me too? They'll push a little and bit so, and... They'll push a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And so when we continuously show up and say, yes, I see you, I love you, your voice matters to me, I, you know, that connection is really important, but it's not immediate. It takes, it can take a little while. What would be some of your top tips, like top one, two, three tips for people maybe in the church that aren't fostering, but we come across kids that are in foster care? How can we help bring down those walls and, and show them that they are loved genuinely? Yeah, so um, there's this blogger called Jason Johnson I really, really appreciate, and he has this uh, phrase, you know, we're not all called to foster or adopt, but we're all capable of doing something. What's your something? And so, you know, in terms of one to two or three tips, the first tip I would recommend if you're going to be a support system to a family is you need to be trauma-informed. You need to understand what our kids have been through and then how to meet their needs. Um, well, because when we're not trauma-informed and we try to support a kiddo and maybe they, you know, we go into fight, flight, or freeze when we're in survival mode. And so you see that with our kids sometimes, right? And so uh, sometimes what happens is support systems have good intentions and they come in and they want to love on these kiddos and then their behaviors are baffling and they don't know what to do with it. And so they stop supporting. And that message just affirms to the child again that I'm a bad kid and I'm not worth it, yeah. you know? So the first thing I would recommend is become comments on there's trainings all over the place. We offer a bunch of trainings. We do a conference as the replanted ministry empowered to connect offers a simulcast that you can stream in your church every spring. That's all trauma, you know, info. And I think that's really helpful. I think the next things would be be consistent and really evaluate. And we talk about this in the book as support systems. We really unpack this kind of step-by-step. What are some questions that we should be asking ourselves? What can you do and what can you commit to? So we always say really assess, you know, what your bandwidth is, because if you if you dive in and make an emotional decision like, yes, I want to really support this family, and then you recognize, like, I can't sustain this, and then you pull back, that's a really hurtful message. And so we encourage families to start small. So maybe it's bringing a meal by once a month, you know, um, maybe... It's where you say, hey, I'm going to, I want to walk along this side, side of this family and I'm going to take these kiddos out on a play date once a month, you know, and I'm going to be really intentional. Whatever you're going to commit to, be consistent. Um, so commit to doing that consistently every month for a ministry year because, again, we really, 
This is really about loving on and investing in the lives of our kids. And Harvard had done a study that if a child can develop one trusting relationship outside of their family network, that drastically changes the trajectory of their lives. Wow. And so you could be that person, right? And But it means you have to be intentional and you have to keep showing up, you know. And so really giving an honest assessment of what that could look like for you is important. Um, but mentoring kiddos is so awesome and valuable. And a really beautiful opportunity to show them they're, they're so loved. Jen, you told us some of the top things we should do as people helping other families. What about some of the things we should not do? Yes, yeah, empty promises. Yeah, really avoid that because our kids have experienced a lot of that. Yeah, I always say, I, I recommend when you're initiating something with a family and supporting them to have a really honest conversation about what you are going to do. Um, but making sure you stick with it and then being really practical with it. A lot of times we'll send out a text or something to a family like, hey, like, we'd love to support you. Let us know what we can do or let us know how we could help you. Now, for families that need support, it's really, it can be uncomfortable and even awkward to take people up on that, right? You know, it could feel like, well, I chose this journey, so I need to just continue to, like, be a champion in this. And so asking for support is really vulnerable. And so I actually encourage people to rephrase that and just to say, hey, I want to love on your kiddos, and I would love to be a support to them, and I would love to once a month on a Saturday take them out on a play date so you guys can have some rest and relaxation and self-care time. Which Saturday this month works for you? And give them something very tangible so that they're responding with, hey, the third Saturday works, you know, or hey, we'd love to drop off a meal this week. Would Tuesday, Friday, or Saturday work for you? You know, something very concrete that a family can say yes to. Yeah, instead um, of just saying, let me know what you need, and then they never let let you know. know (laughs) Yeah, no one does. (laughs) So. Exactly. So I think those are really, you know, great ways. And, and two, for us with the replanted ministry, we help churches and organizations build support groups for families to connect and be in relationship, both parents and kids. And so that's a really great way if there's people that are like, hey, we really want to, like myself, I'm not a foster adoptive parent, but I feel really called by God to use my time to really, um, support and love families, right? Because our families, they don't have time to build a ministry and <laughs> build to support themselves. They're the ones that need it, right? So there's a really great opportunity for families that aren't in the foster adoption journey to show up and create opportunities of support for families. What's the biggest thing that you hope that they take away from it? Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway would be that adoption and foster care is really important to the heart of God, and there can be so much joy and beauty in that journey. But if we're not honest about the polarities that our families experience as well and the the um, as the realities, too, uh, it, we can be doing a lot of hurt to our families and to marriages and to our kids. And so I think a big takeaway is you cannot do this alone. We're meant to do life in relationship with each other. And so find your support systems. Churches show up. The message has to go beyond foster care and adoption is beautiful, important to the heart of God. We need to show up when our families say yes and provide that support ongoing um, and be a place of just complete, you know, refreshment and rejuvenation and grace uh, and a, a safe place. And so my heart is that we just all do really tangible things to really show how our kids how much we love them uh, and, and, and extend the, the love of God and the grace of God to our families. For people who want to learn more about you or were planted, either the ministry or your book, how do they go about yeah. doing that? 
Yeah, so we have a website that they can check out. It's replantedministry.org, and all the information about what we we are able to do and offer and support people with is there. The book is information is there as well. It's available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, different different places, um, and through our publisher Templeton Press. And our, our conference information is available there as well. So that would be a really great place to go. Big thanks to Jen for sharing her heart for kids in foster care and adopted kids and how the church can minister to them all. We'll talk to you again on Connections.